0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts.
1: I'm Carol McKenzie, and this is part two of our three part series on KYW News Radio In Depth The Long Haul Learning to Live in a Lasting Pandemic. It's presented by Independence Blue Cross. This time I called Dr. Yasenia Mariquin, a clinical psychologist at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, because I wanted to talk about what kids are going through right now. This pandemic has been hard for everyone, but the disruption of routines and school schedules, isolation, tough conversations with family and friends, what does that mean for young minds that are still developing? I asked Dr. Maraquin about how we can help the youngest members of our society. And we also talked about how to have those tough vaccination status conversations with family members before everyone gets together for Thanksgiving dinner. I know we've been having ongoing conversations with our kids since the beginning of the pandemic, but just a quick little primer, if you don't mind, you know, particularly with younger kids who are can't get vaccinated right now. How can parents help them navigate this kind of new, weird landscape?
0: Often what can be really helpful is hearing their kids out. So without thinking about, well, this is something that they may be worrying about, it's more opening up that conversation and then having their children be the lead. And so if their children report, yeah, I'm like, like, this is something that like makes me a little bit nervous. It's okay. So let's get some information around that. Uh, If parents are starting to notice that at bedtime, there's a lot of worry. It used to take 15 minutes to get them to bed. Now it's taking 45 minutes to an hour and they just seem on edge often. Uh, Then I would encourage parents to instill something that's called worry time, which is five minutes at some point during the day where, hey kiddo, you are free to share whatever worries are coming up for you and it's limited to five minutes. And the reasoning for that is, The more we talk about worries, the more we feed into them.
1: If you see your child struggling, at what point do you really need to get professional advice, professional help, and some counseling?
0: So when you're starting to notice that there's a decrease in their ability to do things uh, on their own that they used to be able to do independently, but because of fear, they would like your help or like the help of an older sibling. If if that's uh, what's coming up in the home, they're having worries that they're not able to shake off uh, or they're starting to engage in some um, peculiar behavior. So an example is washing their hands a certain amount of times or until it feels right. And you're noticing that that's very different from what they were doing before, then that's something where it would be important to get the guidance from either a pediatrician and or a behavioral health provider uh, to get an understanding of, okay, at this time, um, could we benefit from some extra support? And the other part is what if you're seeing that your child is suffering, and if your family is uh, changing some of their own behaviors as a result of the child's anxious distress, then that's important to receive some guidance around that, some professional support.
1: So kids of all ages need and want to socialize. Um, When you're talking about older kids, kids over 12, vaccine status has now become an issue. You know, there's that natural push and pull between parents and their teens that's taking on greater significance in this pandemic, particularly now. Because as a parent, you know, if your kid is vaccinated and some of their friends aren't, that's a really, really tough situation to handle so how do you do that? How do you talk to your kids and how do you balance your need as a parent to keep your kids safe while recognizing their desire and need to socialize to hang out with their friends?
0: That's uh the key that you mentioned, right? Is having a conversation, is talking because oftentimes what can happen is that Emotional reactivity is high. Emotional sensitivity is very high. Where it's uh, little things are starting to get me really rubbed up. And hey, parent, I see you coming for me, and I and I know
1: you've uh, been that, in my house, haven't you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so that then um, results in in a wall being put up. And so by being able to say and reflect, like, you know, when we've had these, when we've tried to have these conversations, I've noticed that I've been doing X, Y, or Z that has gotten in the way. And so figuring out what we as parents can do to manage our own emotional intensity in that moment, and then be able to say, you know, I'm wanting to hear from you, like, what is coming up for you? And what way is this difficult? And one way is uh, the relationship with this friend who is unvaccinated, the pros and cons of, continuing with that friendship and or like what are some of the boundaries that are important to you like what are some of your your values also that may be influencing your decision making and if it's well, I really want to spend time with them it's like I hear you out like it's you know it's a really like being an adolescent is difficult being an adolescent in these moments is exceptionally hard and so being able to Recognize that challenge and at the same time be able to say, I hear you out, and these are my concerns as your parent. Let's figure out some kind of middle path that we're both that we both feel okay with. And it's not necessarily going to be 50 50, and there may be some opportunities where there's some flexibility depending on different situations. And really, it's more we're having a conversation about this and figuring out how can both of us get what we're hoping for. So you, I as a parent, like ensuring your physical safety and you as the teen, as my kid, being able to have friendships that are important to you while still recognizing the importance of maintaining these these boundaries that are important and that are helpful.
1: It's really hard too, because sometimes that conversation you know, you end up having to deal with, let's say, another child's parent and, you know, you're trying to say, okay, I respect their position, but this is my position and I'm not really this is, you know, I'm I'm going to stand strong on this because I want to keep you safe. Then that that though can sometimes become uncomfortable when you're dealing with other parents who don't agree with you and and navigating that is is can be really like sticky.
0: Yes, it can be very exhausting. Uh, And then it is speaking with, uh, whether it's your teen or your younger child of, We try to talk with uh, so-and-so's parents and this is what we're coming up with as your parents. If it's a two-parent household and if it's a single parent household, like this is what I'm deciding as your parent, let's figure out how you can still get what you're hoping for, which is some sort of relationship with this other kiddo in a way that upholds what's important to us as a family. And the other thing that's important too is when it comes to the non negotiable being very consistent with those and explaining when there is flexibility in what was once a non-negotiable, but now all of a sudden is a little bit flexible and that that's not coming from a place of like the other parent or other family member being very insistent that it's more, you know what, I did my research, I spoke with the pediatrician, and this is what's helping inform my decision-making.
1: I think that that's a really key piece of advice because in particular, as things have changed during the pandemic, because they have. I mean, there was a point where cases at the beginning of summer had gone really, really low, and people were more comfortable being inside. We were told it was safe, and then things took a nosedive with cases and everything going back up. And Mm -hmm. I know as a parent, what I was comfortable and okay with in June, I was then not comfortable and okay with in August, and I had a really tough time navigating that because— to my son, it seemed inconsistent,
0: and being upfront about it because it is right. You're you're wanting to also call out the elephant in the room is that this is an ever changing situation, and and that as much as you're hoping as a parent to have the the consistency in terms of the rule, these are the rules that are set. Uh, Regardless of everything, it's more being consistent in your behavior. So it's I'm continuing to be informed. And this is the process by which I will let you know what is a OK and what we're going
1: to be steering back on as a whole family. And I think these conversations are going to become more important and even harder when the weather gets cold, because right now we can send our kids outside and, you know, that's a pretty safe environment for them to socialize in. But when everybody starts to having to come inside, I think it's going to be really tough. And that, you know, that's also going to be tough over the holidays for, you know, the the larger picture here when it comes to family members who are vaccinated versus family members who aren't. And we have Thanksgiving coming up. And this just creates some really awkward situations. And so I I wanted to talk about that. First, I, I guess let's tackle the the initial tricky question, which is how do you delicately or do you delicately ask for what everybody's vaccination status is?
0: So I think that is a conversation that will be important to have amongst like the parents and/or the caregivers within the family, and being able to think through how am I going to ask that, and also some guidance too from the pediatrician on how to have these conversations, and then being able to share. How am I going to manage my own emotional intensity when I receive that information? Um, And what am I going to do with that information as well? How is that going to help inform who to invite to what or what kind of setting we're going to have different celebrations in? And I think the the other important part to keep in mind is that we're as, as difficult as it is The role that we signed up for and have in our kids is being models for them. And so as much as there is an urge to say some unkind things in those specific moments when emotions get very high, if what we're wanting to teach is managing our emotions so that we can remain effective, then it's going to be important to be that, that model for our kids. Because then... The, your eight year, the eight year old child will then see that and figure out how they're going to do that with some of their own friendships. The same thing with the team that you have in your life. And also being able to think through what is my point here? Like, what are the points that I'm trying to get across? And how am I able to tune into my own emotional state in that moment? And if you're starting to notice that my heart is beating really fast, I'm starting to get really hot. I'm having these urges to start to personalize the conversation where it's more about you as a person, as opposed to you and your, your choice, then that's when it's okay. You know what, right now we're not really able to have a conversation and I'm going to go ahead and walk away because when we're emotionally overloaded, our brains just shut down. And so we're not able to problem solve. We're not able to get creative and we're wanting to seek experiences that rev up our emotional intensity. And then at that point, there that comes at a high cost to the relationship with, with family members.
1: I mean, I think it's uncomfortable anyway to tell Uncle mm-hmm. Bob, unvaccinated Uncle Bob, that he's not welcome to come to Thanksgiving dinner because you don't feel it's safe. And, you know, doing that without causing long-term damage to the relationship, I think, can be as you mentioned, just super, super difficult, Uh, particularly because even if you're calm, the other, the person on the receiving end may very well not be.
0: Yeah. And, and it goes back to remembering the only person's behavior that I'm able to control in this moment is my own. Sticking with the facts is important. Not engaging in shaming behavior, which can be very tempting in these conversations um, on, e- on either end uh, is not going to be helpful because that's not an effective form of changing behavior as much as we want it to be. Really what that does is help release some of our own emotional intensity in that moment. But again, it's coming at a cost of the long-term, like the relationship that you have with this other person and the respect that you're communicating. That's where it is important to think through what are the points that I'm trying to get across? How can I be a broken record? Oh, in this conversation, we're going into these other tangents. I cannot go there. (laughs) I'm trying to say this is my piece and also remembering that you're not asking for permission. Um, You've been very thoughtful in the decision-making that you've made and you're communicating this in the same way that you would any other person um, who's being invited to to this gathering.
1: What if you're on the receiving end of being disinvited? What if you're the unvaccinated one? How can you appropriately respond to this without escalating things?
0: So I think that it's a similar approach where it's, this is not. This is about my choice. This is is not about me as a person. This is not about my family member. This is about their decision making. And as much as I may not have the same viewpoint, it's recognizing that everyone is doing the best that they that they can, um, and they're being as informed as possible. And on the other side, it is how can that individual who's being disinvited receive information that is um like and guidance from their own primary care provider on what the facts are regarding vaccinations.
1: And that that leads me into the next question and you touched on this a little bit. And that is people who are really dug in, people who just, I mean there are people there are, there are many reasons people aren't getting vaccinated right now, but there is a core part of the population who are just dug in. Is there any way to talk to them about this and to try to sway them? Or is are they just, is it a lost cause basically?
0: So I think that there's, the importance is being informed, right? And getting facts from your doctor, which is like, that's what they're there for. They're there to help inform. When we go into, and you can also um, share, like, this is why I, was vaccinated or being able to share why this is important to you. And also recognize that you're sharing your perspective. You're not going in with the goal of changing a behavior or changing a perspective because then the other person will sense that. And then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, my, my wall is up again, right? Like I'm going to start to get emotionally activated and I'm not going to really listen. And so that's something to keep in mind too.
1: How do you even start that conversation? I mean, how do you even approach somebody like that?
0: So it would be... Uh, being able to share, you know, like I know that the holidays are coming up and this is um, an important part too, is with these conversations to have them earlier on instead of the day before Thanksgiving or the day before these major holidays. I just wanted to share with you that these are, this is what our family's going to be doing and that this is why this is important to me. And again, I, I recognize that it is up to you. I encourage you to really go out and receive information from your doctor if you're having any questions about it and you know, just know that like I love and I care for you and, and having it be from that as opposed to you should do this, you need to do that. How could you not do that? Because then that leads to shame and shame is really, it stops, it doesn't really move behavior forward in any way.
1: So, dig down deep and basically come from a place of love,
0: which is very difficult. <laughs> yes, and it sounds it sounds very uh, simple. It is not easy, right? and it's and it's showing yourself some grace with that, too
1: We're tired. I mean, I think this plays into it too. We are tired. We have pandemic fatigue. A lot of us, as you mentioned, like a lot of us are frankly angry. You know, many of us thought we'd be through the worst of it by now. And here we are, you know, going into yet another holiday season, having to have these difficult conversations, having to be careful about who we're hanging out with, who we're eating dinner with. And, you know, first of all, I think this is a pretty normal response, right?
0: This is a in the kind of recognizing that we are all... Going through all of this, yes, it makes a lot of sense that for a good amount of us, it is a very difficult time because there was this. There's different expectations, and then those expectations were not met. Uh, and one of the suggestions in managing all of that, again, as difficult as it is, is accepting with your whole being that in this moment this is the reality of what is. These are some of, this is the second year that we're having these conversations. I recognize that these are the current COVID rates in my state, in my county. And I radically, wholeheartedly with my whole being accept that I am tired. (laughs) Um, As opposed to the, well, this shouldn't be this way. All of these people should or shouldn't do X, Y, or Z. And then that can lead to a lot of suffering. And when we are incredibly tapped out, suffering is a place of being stuck. And so by being able to say, this is what I see, this is what I, and acceptance is not, I agree with it. It is not, I'm like, A-okay. It is, this is, this is the reality. I am, I am recognizing of it and I'm not trying to fight against it. Um, because as much as we do, we, we can't, like, I am five foot two. If I am thinking to myself, like, I wish I, sh- I should be five foot eight. I just want to like, why can't this be? Then all of that emotional intensity, all of those resources are going
1: nowhere. But I mean, I, I think that's a really key point there, which is acceptance. It doesn't mean you have to like it. Doesn't Mm-mm. mean you're happy about it. It just means, like you said, being where you are with it and recognizing you have no control. For for the most part, you have no control over this pandemic, right? It just it is what it I hate to be cliche, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah. And that really is the, the acceptance piece. And it is of this particular moment. I may not be there tomorrow. Uh, I may not have been there, you know, a couple hours ago, but for right now, I'm consciously like being aware of the reality that is because that can then help lead to actual um, change. So it's what, again, I can't control all of this stuff, what's going on with the pandemic Um, locally, globally. What can I do within my own household? What can I do within myself? to fill my own cup. And that's going to look very different for different people so that I have enough of of, of a bandwidth to be able to get through these next few months.
1: Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are feeling really depleted, Mm -hmm. really empty right now out of gas.
0: Yeah. In terms of being able to care for oneself, it is going to look very different for different people. And there's, um, It really is like, what are some activities that you are able to engage in where you find meaning, where you recognize I am, I'm connecting with like being a human being, as opposed to what I'm doing for work or what I'm doing for other things. It is like in this, it for five minutes, for 15 minutes, however long, this is what I'm doing. And in this moment, I'm trying to find some peace.
1: So I want to end with, I guess, maybe looking at is there, if there is a silver lining here. And, you know, the one thing that I think of is when we are in really difficult, really challenging situations, that it also is an opportunity for growth and for change, um, personal growth. And so, you know, I'm wondering, like, I think collectively, but as well as personally, you know, what can we see as kind of the upside? What can we gain from basically surviving this pandemic and making it through? And how can we come out on the other side as better people? That might be too, too you know, positive and, and rainbows and Skittles and all that. But, you know, I really am wondering how we come out. How can we come out on the other side maybe being better people?
0: I think what the pandemic uh, has highlighted is just how interconnected all of us are. Um, And really that we are a collective group of individuals, families who are working towards resilience. And we have been through, through some really tough times. And we've gotten through it. And really, that's the highlight, that we are getting through this day by day. We are increasing our flexibility and how we manage different situations, whether we want to or not, <laughs> uh, and that we are figuring out how to make different, how to make connections meaningful, um, where it isn't solely by being there with, uh, like, having Thanksgiving dinner, like the how can we continue that and remember that, again, we are a part of our own familial unit and we are a part of, um, of our state, of our country um, and of the world. And it, it may seem like, oh, that's you know not such a big thing. And it is, right? Because this did highlight that, that many of us have gone through this difficult time and there are different factors that have made it exceptionally more difficult than others and that we are still here. And that's the important part,
1: too. Dr. Marquin, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you for your time, and I appreciate the opportunity.
1: This is The Long Haul Learning to Live in a Lasting Pandemic. It's a KYW News Radio in depth special presented by Independence Blue Cross. I'm Carol McKenzie. In part three of this series, we'll talk with Dr. Brian McDonough about some experimental treatments that doctors hope could prevent the worst outcomes and what it means when a pandemic becomes endemic. You can listen now on the KYW News Radio In-Depth podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.